0: Welcome to the lively joy podcast. Learn how to live your best life with host Sherry McDonald. She believes that every person has the right to be healthy and have a life that they love. Sherry, along with her guest, will help you live your best life by talking about everything from the latest health topics, how to find your passion, longevity, so you can live your best life longer, shifting your mindset and more. And now your host, Sherry. Hey, friends. We have a very special guest on today from Sedona, Arizona. Her name is Feather Jones. She is a registered herbalist who integrates herbal remedies, holistic nutrition, flower essence, and stress reduction guidance. Her 40-year career in teaching herbal medicine and clinical practice, coupled with her background in First National Tribe teachings, provides her clients and students with a synergistic approach to health and healing. I know you're going to enjoy this podcast, so let's get started. Hi, Feather. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. I always love sharing about the plants anytime that I can.
0: Yeah, I've I've checked out your website several times, and I've wanted to take classes. And we just moved here in April, so now that we're here, I'll be able to follow you a little bit more and hopefully learn from you. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and your background?
1: Well, I can I can start there. I am a clinical herbalist. I'm registered with a, a national group called the American Herbalist Guild. And um, I've been working with them for many, many years. I was one of the first elected presidents of the group. And we're now into, um, I don't know how many thousands of people are enrolled, but we're, it's a group of professional herbalists and student herbalists both. So I usually speak at the symposiums every year around the country and for every couple of years. So Well, I went to herb school Many years ago, back in the 80s, and in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I studied with uh, my mentor was Michael Moore, and who has written some of the best herb books for the Southwest. And when I first met him, I had just finished uh, massage school. And after getting my certification in massage, um, I realized that isn't really what I wanted to do. And it wasn't my forte, and I just felt like um, I was kind of wasting my time trying to do massage as a living. So I went to school in Santa Fe at the Santa Fe College of Natural Medicine. I studied under him. Um, But I also uh, spent time mentoring with a woman in North Dakota who was a Native American woman. And she never called herself a healer because she said, that's just our medicine woman. She says, that's just kind of uh, too bold, but she did see a lot of people. She did help a lot of people. So I got to study with her and it wasn't necessarily about plant medicine, though that came in on a regular basis. Uh, it, It was looking at healing in a very different perspective a different way of seeing and a different way of seeing um, disease and seeing health so I studied with her for a while and then I also uh, spent a little bit of time here and there over the years with an Apache elder named Ocean of Fast Wolf who has uh, passed over very recently but uh, she taught again more than plants she she taught a way of life and how how to live as a woman in this world. So I learned a lot of different ways of looking at things along this healing journey. Um, But uh, in the early 90s, I started my own herb school. And that was in Boulder, Colorado, where I raised my kids. And in Western herbal medicine, the Rocky Mountain Center for Botanical Studies. And we... Um, ran that for about 11 years, and I had uh, three-year programs in Western Herbalism, the last two years was working in a clinic, so um, learning to see clients and helping them out with their health care needs, uh, and um, so we did that, and then after that, I moved to Sedona, where I live now, and uh, I love it here. I've lived here for over 20 years. Oh, wow. I've always had this deep love of the desert plants. And now I have a two-year herbal apprenticeship program here in Sedona and online courses as well, which I can talk about later. But I have two beautiful adult children. One is going through menopause. But <laughs> <laughs> <What> her. <year? laughs> No, it's so like somebody said, you know, you're the mother of a middle aged daughter, and I'm like, yes, wow, yeah, it's past middle age, unless she lives to 100. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> that's just a little bit of what I do.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Uh, one thing you said, Western herbalism, do you do any
1: mm-hmm. Eastern? um or do work with some eastern plants i there are some plants even though i'm a bioregionalist i do like to there's some plants i'm just not willing to give up because i can't find good western substitutes for them so i continue using them and i love them so yeah i work with all different kinds of plants but i do pretty much follow a western constitutional model when it comes to herbal practice so it's not really TCM or traditional Chinese medicine. It's not really Ayurveda, though I know a little bit about each of those and uh, have occasionally used it in diagnostic techniques when I'm helping someone, but I don't I don't really use that as my system. I do see a lot of clients that I help them with their healthcare needs. And so I spend a lot of time um, working with people. These days it's mostly online because yeah. none of them are out of state, and so, uh, but we were able to work pretty well together, um, you know, zooming back and forth and uh, spending time that way to help each other. So.
0: Yeah, I think uh, COVID changed that forever, and it it's not it's good because we really can communicate pretty well through Zoom and online, so it it really is a good thing. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the bioregionalism? Is that how you say it? (laughs)
1: Bioregionalism, right. Like your bioregion, your area where you live. Yeah, the
0: region. That's very interesting. I did look that
1: up and read a little bit about it. So um, why don't you explain that a little bit? For me as an herbalist, so I'm looking at uh, when I'm using plant medicines, um, I'm looking at plants that grow in my area. And here in the upper desert first. And so when I'm choosing plants for various ailments with myself or with anyone else that lives in this area, those are the plants I'm going to recommend or suggest first. We share the same environment and we share the same stresses as the plants and the plants can teach our bodies how to adapt to our environment. So um, I think that that, it, that's like a priority that's what we want to do that's where our ancestors came from they weren't roaming all over the place they were pretty much staying in one place and had gardens and fruit trees and lived on the land and so i've been here for over 20 years uh 20some years i forget but uh i'm always thinking about these plants first i have such a deep love of them But I'm also uh, from Boulder, Colorado. That's where I raise my kids. So I travel back there every year with my students for a week of wild harvesting plants with my herbal apprenticeship program people. And I loosely consider that part of my backyard as well. (laughs) It's very loosely. But really, I use plants from the whole southwest and the Rocky Mountains. So I go there first. But like I said, there are some Chinese herbs that I'm not willing to give up. But many of these are actually grown in the United States organically. So I do rely upon them. Okay,
0: so Colorado, if you, you do your class, because I did look online and seen that you take a group of people to Colorado that's part of that year program,
1: is that correct? Yeah, I have an in-person program that okay. uh, runs for two years. And so you can either sign sun for one year or two years, but it's um, uh, about a hundred hours first year, almost a hundred hours second year too. We meet like once every three weeks on a Sunday all day, and then there's about three in the first year. There's three field trips where we're out of town, and the one to Colorado is a four-day field trip, so um, that takes over a, a week to get there and get back. But they're harvesting trips, so I teach people. Uh, how to use the plants and how to use them with other people in a clinic setting or just how to use them for practical knowledge and then I show people how to make medicines out of them and how to harvest them in an ethical manner where they're not upsetting the species or the stands of plants in an area so we do that and uh, that's a lot of fun and then I go to the arboretum and Down outside Phoenix is the Southwest um, Boyce-Thompson Arboretum, and we spend a couple days around there. And then the other one is, where are we going? Oh, it's to the White Mountains in eastern Arizona.
0: I've never been there, but I've heard they're beautiful.
1: It's so beautiful. And it's a whole different plant zone community over there. It's pretty high. It's like about 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet. So yeah, different kinds of plants.
0: Yeah, so are the plants in Colorado or are there a lot that are the same in Arizona? The same type of plants in Colorado?
1: Well, if if you go up to the own Rim, that Colorado Plateau behind Sedona that's lifted up several thousand feet and includes Flagstaff and some of that, you'll find some crossovers. In Colorado, there it it's much more abundant. Uh, along the front range of Colorado around Boulder County and this is where I take folks and we stay at a permaculture farm for a couple of days so we don't have to move around it's kind of nice and we just take day trips out and we go to different plant zone communities different elevational areas so there's quite a diversity of plants there and so when they come home they've got all kinds of plants to to prepare into medicines.
0: I'm really interested in using the plants as medicine because I don't like, you know, and I'm sure most people out there don't like taking medications, but if there's something we can take, are there like a few favorites that you use on a regular basis or you feel like people would use on a regular basis for medicine? Well,
1: if you're talking about just herbs in general that just keep you constitutionally healthy, otherwise you I'm going to work with something specific. Like people say, what's good for menstrual cramps or what's good for migraine headaches? But you're just asking me in general. I do have a uh, formulation tea that I make all the time. It's an overnight infusion. So I put my herbs in in the evening, let them sit in the hot water all night long. Um, I use a canning jar and pour hot boiling water in over the herbs. And then in the morning, I will strain it out and then make my tea out of that. And that's alfalfa and nettles and red clover and spearmint and raspberry leaf, raspberry leaf. I'm going to put them in and it ends up being about a half an ounce of herb into a half gallon canning jar. And you just pour hot boiling water over the top, you put the lid on, go to bed, wake up in the morning and press it out. And that way you've got Uh, these are nutritious herbs these are herbs that that are kind of like foods and they're going to strengthen the body's whole constitution they're going to help um, clean the blood clean the bloodstream help the liver that may be overwhelmed with other things just in general they're just going to kind of keep your energy up lower fatigue all those wonderful things but they're not specific for diseases necessarily they're just Mm-hmm. kind of like user-friendly herbs that will strengthen your body if you have a disease just kind of um, helps you maintain a strong base as you're mm-hmm. going through something
0: sounds like something we all need to do then
1: <laughs> uh, each of those herbs are amazing alfalfa um and i buy all organic unless yep. i'm harvesting it myself is well crafted but um uh, alfalfa is called the father of all foods. And so it actually, there's every known vitamin, mineral, essential enzyme known to humankind is in this plant. And alfalfa is only about maybe three feet tall, but it has roots that will go down 60 feet. Oh, wow. So most of its life is underground and it's picking up trace minerals, it's picking up nutrients deep within the earth. And you usually can't even find that in your organic kale. You know, it's got a lot more in there. So, yeah, I make a water infusion. Let it sit a long time so those heavier minerals will come out into my tea. Spearmint, um, not only for flavor. I love spearmint. But it's also now we know it helps with uh, mental fog and uh, memory recall and things like that. So it helps uh, the brain kind of rejuvenate itself. And uh, it's also really good because it tastes great. It's good for the tummy. It's just a very pleasant tea. And then red clover is really good because it also is very cleansing. Cleansing to the bloodstream, That helps with if, 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 it's, if it's a woman and she has excess estrogen in her system, running through her system. Uh, causing problems from PMS to ovarian cysts, it's going to be um, anti-estrogenic. It helps to balance out um, reproductive hormones. And if you're going a woman going through menopause, because the phytoestrogens in there are so uh, weak in terms of human estrogens, but still will get taken up at the same receptor sites as uh human estrogen or pharmaceutical estrogen or anything else it will still up the amount of estrogen the body receives so it's very balancing that way too and what else did i say raspberry raspberry is a great uterine tonic it's a prostate tonic um it's good for the gi tract so many different things in there who am i missing nettles Nettles was the last herb in that formula and nettles is an herb that not only clears the blood, um, it's anti-inflammatory. It has a lot of what's called antioxidants in there um, that keep inflammation at a um, uh, a level that where it's supposed to be. Uh, not that inflammation is always a bad thing, but it helps where inflammation is driving a problem. And it also uh, has a lot of chlorophyll in it. So it helps to build Healthy red blood cells because that's how we do it. We take in chlorophyll from plants and that, and we use that chlorophyll and and turn it into hemoglobin. So it helps to build healthy blood. Uh, it's a uterine tiny. and the list goes on and on with nettles. But nettles is one of my go-to herbs, always has been.
0: Okay, so alfalfa. I where do you find that at? I've never I've never thought about where it comes from, but I have. It seems weird to think of it as a plant, like coming out of the ground. No, uh, you're
1: thinking of it as something to feed a cow or a horse, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I never really thought well, of alfalfa it. Alfalfa was fed to uh, Arabian's prized stallions to keep them virile. Oh, wow. But it works for humans, too. Um, you can always find organic alfalfa online. There are many herb companies that sell it that you can buy it. Do you sell any of these herbs? Do you? Have... No, I'm not a seller of herbs. I have a tea company called Sedona Tea Blends. We make three different types of teas right now that you can also find online as well.
0: Okay, yeah. but that's um, a lot of good information about the different types of herbs and what they do for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the main thing is just to make sure your herbs are organic. Uh, certified organic so it's going to have that USDA organic seal on there.
0: And if you're wildcrafting you want to make sure that there is not an area where it's been sprayed and...
1: Dandelion leaves from anybody's lawn unless you know that person and they're not spraying their lawns. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah it's important to know where your plants come from.
0: Okay and in the forest you don't really have to worry about that
1: well, yeah, because if I'm harvesting plants along a stream side, so I, I want to know what's upstream. Oh, make so sure there's no agribusiness up there or mining industry or anything else. So, yeah, it, I still do my due diligence when okay. I'm I need to know where things, how things are um, cared for. I look in the environment. If there isn't enough of something. And I'm just going to leave it alone because that's what a wild crafter would do. Or if I have some seed, I'm going to plant it. Um, so sometimes I just don't get the herbs that I want. <clears throat> other people have been harvesting in them and over harvesting to the point they're not coming back in healthy stance. And then I'll scatter seed. In Sedona, we have, or we did have, and I think it's called something else now, but a Sedona greenhouse project, and kind of working alongside them. Um, in terms of offering herb walks to the public and then sharing the wealth with them. Uh, But there's many gardens around Sedona where people volunteer in each other's gardens, whether you have a garden or not. But if you're weeding or working someone else's garden, then you can reap some of the benefits of that. So Mm -hmm. we do have that collectively going on around Sedona. And they're on Telegram, Sedona Greenhouse Project. You can ask to join.
0: Yeah, and, and we, we moved here in April and I, I went and bought some nice organic plants and some herbs. And a week later, the javelinas came by. They, <laughs> they ate my tomatoes. They didn't touch the basil, but they um, oh. they're very picky about what they like. But um, they ate some of my herbs, and I'm like, okay. Right. You
1: have to have strong fencing here in the desert. Yeah. It can't be that weak little chicken wire stuff. It's got to be, and it's got to go down in the ground a little bit because they root. Yeah. So they're going to dig down the javelina. But if you have like greenhouse type things set up, uh, a cheap greenhouse set up, you can grow a lot here in the desert. Yeah, it, It's, you know, the weather's getting hotter and hotter, and we have to be able to um, keep that in mind, even with the wild plants, some of them are getting stressed. You know, there's a lot of plants growing up high in the mountains that they're, they need it to be cool in order to survive. Rhodiola and some other very popular plants, and they're up above tree line. some of them, but there, there's nowhere else for them to go. They're as high as they can be. It's as cool as going can be. And so we have to think ahead that, yeah, we might be losing some of these plants. They need to be brought into cultivation. We need to think about um, sourcing on things and where everything is coming from. I think it's important. But you know, one thing I really wanted to share with you was um, how herbal medicine works, um, and uh, what is the difference between like allopathic or uh, drug-oriented medicine uh, compared to like a nature cure, which includes herbal medicine, which we're looking at a lot of different things because um, I I like to I'm more of a holistic herbalist. I I address stress levels. And uh, I look at our emotions and our beliefs and how we um, hold emotions in our body. And this is where I like to include things like flower essences, which are more vibrational type medicines and um, look at lifestyle choices, but things that deal with not just physical healing, but all different aspects of healing. And I look at diet modifications when needed and just lifestyle in general and our environment, which may be harmful uh, to an individual suffering with different ailments. And like I said earlier, I do work with uh, many clients and some of them might be on multiple drug therapies, some of which are very much necessary because they're saving that person's life, but some of them not so much that really could be addressed using herbs and supplements and dietary protocols and things like that, things that are gonna support the body. Herbs are important, but they're never like, a client that comes to me, they don't walk away with just herbs and nothing else, unless they ask for that. Otherwise, I'm gonna address more than that. And working with an individual that has many, many different issues, I like to follow back where they came from originally. So obviously if somebody comes to me with a migraine headache, I'm gonna give them herbal painkillers, which are called anodynes and anti-inflammatories. But looking to the cause of something, the cause of their headaches and support the systems that are weak or deficient, this approach usually resolves not just the present complaint, but other side issues as well. And yeah, um, migraines went away, but my men's cycles cleared up. Uh, and like I mentioned, herbs can do so many different things, from cleaning the blood to restoring proper pH levels in in the bloodstream and the urinary tract. Uh, help with vaginal candida um, or GI tract flora, and just balance and strengthen the systems that need support. If you If you would let me, I'd love to just share a little bit about the differences between the two. Is that
0: okay? Yeah, I would love to hear
1: it. Um, I was just thinking about all of this and drugs many times will suppress the immune system on purpose, right? For inflammation, but they also overload the liver because the liver is responsible for breaking down all the pharmaceuticals that a person may be taking and it might get overloaded and then it can't deal with anything else on top of that. But herbs and foods and supplements um, strengthen, build the body, release toxins from the inside out. A lot of times um, when you take a pharmaceutical, it's an isolate of something, maybe an isolate of a plant that was discovered, but it's not the whole plant, it's just a Uh, very specific constituent in there. And that uh, can also include side effects that sometimes outweigh the benefits. And a lot of pharmaceuticals now, most of them are not from herbs. They're just all manufactured in a lab. And the thing about drugs occasionally over outweighing um, the benefits, some of the side effects. And I was listening to I like to watch um, some commercials on, on certain drugs, something like eczema or diabetes or migraines or whatever it is. And the side effects. Yeah, and then they give you the list of side effects. Oh, that may also include coma and death. It's like, what, the, what the heck? You know, it's like, why would you want to take that kind of risk? You know, when it's not necessary to do that. Whole plants, whole people. That's just kind of the way I think about it. And when you're making herbal preparations, if it's not, if you can't make it in the kitchen, um, this has gone through some more and more changes. So I don't know. But drugs, drug therapies, which I'm not totally against. You know, I, I appreciate antibiotics because it saves lives. I don't appreciate the overuse of antibiotics when it's not necessary and other things if a person decided just to take their health care into the old hands could help with that but isolates uh, have many side effects and and drugs can kind of disempower the patient because you may see that as your only a prescription is your only answer as you leave the doctor's office that's what you've been given but using herbs, using, using more nature cure type approaches encourages you to change your lifestyles. So you become more empowered with your own healthcare. And um, drug therapy sometimes uh, can displace uh, cultural healers like shamans, shamanesses. Again, herbs are going to re-empower the individual Green up the planet, and uh, requires self-reflection and uh, supports Earth values. So those are some of the things I thought about. Um, I also thought about animal testing because um, animal tests have about a is which is required with any drug that goes to market uh, has a ninety-five percent. failure rate in human clinical trials. And the cost of developing a single new drug is anywhere from one to $6 billion. So the average timeline of developing a potential drug or vaccine is about 10 to 15 years. And uh, adverse drug reactions is like the fourth leading cause of death in the United States. obviously we didn't do a 10-15 year um, timeline for COVID vaccines so we're just kind of like guinea pigs here (laughs) but um, on the other side we have ethnobotany which is just like generations of knowledge that's been passed down through the ages that we know what is poisonous we know what is food we know what is healing and so having that knowledge will tell us so much. And usually science will come in behind and do uh, science on the plants, which basically pretty much um, agrees with what we already knew. It just kind of, okay, now you know it too. But And drugs can be cost prohibitive. You know, you have to have insurance and then still pay for some of your drugs. And with herbs, it's usually cost effective. You don't really have to dig deep into your pockets. And even though um, I think uh, allopathic medicine is really good for acute diseases, it's really good for mechanical problems. Like if I break a leg, I'm probably not gonna run to an herbalist. I'm gonna go to the hospital with my leg fixed. <laughs> so right. there's value everywhere. And mm-hmm. it just depends upon your level, what you want to address or might wanna change for yourself that isn't working. But herbs are good for both acute and, and chronic issues. And drugs, lastly, will pollute the environment. There are a lot of problems with environmental controls. Uh, and organic herbs, you're not doing anything bad. You're doing something positive. And, um, tonics with organic herbs is a, a missing gap in allopathic medicine. They don't have tonics. They work when something is broken to fix it. But with herbs, it's like it's trying to support our basic constitution so it doesn't break down as often. So that's kind of the whole thing that I, I really wanted to share with you.
0: Yeah, that, that is very interesting. And, you know, just to think of all the, all the people that probably could benefit from herbs instead of taking medications. And I think the doctors scare people, you know telling them they have to take it. Um, you know, I I went to a doctor yeah. probably 10 years ago and she told me it was my first time to see her. It was a gynecologist. And she told me that, um, you know, we did a bone scan. She said, you have osteoporosis and you have it bad. So you need to get on medication. And I'm like, I've been, I weight train like at a bodybuilding level for the last 30 years, I eat good foods. There's a reason why I have osteoporosis. I'm not taking the drugs because, you know, I knew I had some gut problems, which was a, a a lot of it, you know, intolerant to gluten and had dairy issues and, and problems with bloating and gas and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's something going on my gut that's not allowing me to, to get the nutrition from the food that I'm eating. So back then I was, I, I just, I've never been a person to take drugs and I, I, you know, I know doctors are, we need them and there, there's a lot of good doctors out there, but if I can stay away from a doctor unless I absolutely, like you said, if you break a leg or you, you know, you have, you know, you a heart attack or something like that, you know, go to the doctors. But if it's um, something you can use um, allopathic medications or herbs or, you know, something at least try it first.
1: I was told about 12 years ago that I had um, arthritis and that um, it was going to show up pretty soon. And I might start thinking about taking some medications for it in my hands, in my joints. And I'm like, what? I'm just fine. So, yeah, but there is a little bit of a scare tactic in there. Like, if you don't do this, um, you're going to suffer. And... We are counting on these people to know what they're talking about, and this way they've been trained. Most uh, six-year programs really don't include more than 30 hours of nutrition.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Years.
1: So they're not really looking at things that way, unless they're self-taught on their own. Yeah. I have an ER doc that is one of my students right now. So he comes in and sits in on a class when he can, or he comes on a field trip when he can. That's great. Yeah. And I have a nurse right now in my present, uh, a program that uh, works up in Flagstaff. um, He works in a clinic setting. So I have two chiropractors (laughs) in the present class. So there's people from so many different walks of life and it's really to their advantage to help their clients and they can see how they they, give them more tools right when they're working with people
0: and I think more and more people are going that route and wanting more natural medicine and working with practitioners that might look at something a little different instead of going to a doctor so I think that if you know, as time goes by, I think that if doctors don't look at natural medicine or different alternatives, I think that they're going to lose business. I mean, that's just my opinion because I'll, and maybe it's just because I'm around a lot of people like you that are, you know, that, that use herbs and that, you know, do natural medicine that eat healthy use, you know, and don't want to take drugs. So I don't know if that's it or, um, but it, I that's think
1: what you're I-, right. I think that the old guard is kind of moving out and mm-hmm. um, the newer generation is wanting to explore more safer methods of how to work with their clients and on um, how to heal them yeah
0: so you do do one-on-one uh with uh people I
1: do. I do work with clients yes and if they're not local then like i said we just do zoom and the way i do it is i will have uh I'll make the connection first and um, email usually. And then I'll ask for a, before our consultation, I'll have a three-page intake form they need to fill out. And I ask for a seven-day diet diary. If it's something that is chronic, but something that acute, I'll just work with them right away. Okay. Um, But if it's a chronic issue, then uh, um, I'll ask for that. I ask for their list of, Whatever medications they're on, it gives me time to look up those medications and get a real download of what they're trying to do and what the side effects are and everything else. And uh, supplements too. And then after that, then we I, there's usually some back and forth questions and answers via email, and then we set our time for uh, the in person consult, which is usually about an hour. And then uh, in that, I also include a follow-up in about six weeks. And uh, hopefully, so many times there's follow-ups and follow-ups and follow-ups as they're progressive. <laughs> right. And, um, so I'll do that. But, um what was I say, what so yeah. go ahead.
0: Uh, what do you think about supplements?
1: I think that they can be good when the body needs them. Um, the diet is a bit devitalized or you're just not, Digesting, absorbing things very well. Supplements can be uh, really good. And I do work with probiotics a lot. And essential fatty acids a lot. And I see a lot of women with reproductive issues. That's kind of my specialty. And over the 45 years of working with people, that's kind of um, what I do now. And that's what my online programs are about, women's wellness.
0: Okay, why don't you tell us about the courses that you offer and your um, year-long program? I'm really interested in that one myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to know more about you, too. I, you know, I know you're doing a lot of stuff. But, um, yes, the online programs, I put this together. It, it was about a year in the making, and uh, my my assistant really does all of the work. I just teach, and so she does everything else, Maya. And, but the program—it was—it's uh, about 20 plus hours of uh, training. It's called Women's Wellness Program. But what it, what it includes is hormonal balancing, gynecological patterns with menses irregularities, the menses cycle, I'm talking about menstrual cramps, excess bleeding, not bleeding enough, uh, infections, all types of infections. I go over each one of them individually endometriosis, ovarian cysts, and polyps, and um, PMS, um, fertility, infertility. I have a class on herbal abortifacients, but I also have a class on how to become more fertile. And uh, pregnancy, and labor, and postpartum, along with some infant uh, care stuff that comes up. And then I have a section called Menopause and the Wise Elder Woman, and each one of these sections, many of them are individual courses that you can just take on your own. Menopause, the hormonal balancing, um, and men's irregularities, the um, uh, botanical support for motherhood is one that's all by itself. So we've created these so a person, if just wanting one thing, doesn't have to go through the whole thing the whole thing is designed if you are um, a teacher or you're going to be teaching or you want to know a lot more about issues that come up to help your friends or yourself or whatever and yeah. that's um on the Kenya Spirit venturescom uh, you can just click on the online programs and if you uh, click on uh, um add to the email list, you get a free video a giveaway video on um, ceremony with herbs and how to create ceremony with herbs. Oh, great. So that's something we threw in there that didn't seem to fit anywhere else, and I really wanted to share that information, so we put it there, and we're just giving it away, so anyone that's interested.
0: I like the um, the idea of using herbs for different things like that, like the ceremony and I well, like all I the natural
1: Pretty much what I was taught. So mm-hmm. a lot of what I share is more Native American and using those plants in that way, but also I've learned so many different things along my path through life that uh, I just share them all places so people can kind of pick and choose what sparks them, you know, oh, how to create ceremony. Full moon, new moon, you know, different seasonal type ceremonies, as well as being out on the land. And how do you choose your words in a wise way that accomplishes whatever your intentions are?
0: You know, what's funny is I was out hiking on Bell Rock with uh, two women this morning. One of them, we were sitting down at one point just to enjoy the view. And she was talking about her aunt. It was a, it'll be a year tomorrow that her aunt passed away and she lived with her for four years. And she was asking the other girl that was with me because she said she had did, did a ceremony for her dog that passed away. And she was asking her, well, what, what how can I do a ceremony for my aunt tomorrow? So it's interesting. So I'm going to share that. I'm going to tell them to go to your link and get the video.
1: Great. Yes, it'll be up probably in about a week.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah.
1: And um, I know that you are going to be part of all of this as an affiliate. So if people want to register for any of those courses, they'll get a 10% discount if they do it through you. You'll, You'll have that special code that you can share with him.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. One more thing, the, um, the year-long program and the two-year program, when I looked online, I thought the two-year program was uh, coming up, um, but you need to take the year, the first one.
1: Yeah, you need to take first. Year okay. until yeah. second, year. second year starts oh. this October. And okay. The first year program starts in January.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. I do have a question I'd like to ask um, all my guests that if you have a book or books that have that you would like to recommend that maybe change your life or that might help the people listening, like any kind of book. Oh,
1: oh my gosh. Oh my I gosh.
0: know there's so many out there.
1: <laughs> okay. I guess braiding sweetgrass. Oh. Braiding sweetgrass and wouldn't you know I can her name is just being elusive. Oh, Kimmerman. Kimmerer, Kimmerer. K-I-M-N-E-R-E-R.
0: I will I link see- that with all your information know. in the show oh, notes.
1: It's uh, very engaging. She is Native American, but she's also uh, teaches at a university, and she has all this other science background behind her. And, but she tells her Native stories and uh, the creation of how we got here on this planet oh so she's interesting and there's a lot of plant information in there she's definitely a biologist and a botanist and an herbalist oh. so it's fun reading
0: okay great i will put that in there and i will check that book out myself all right okay well thanks again for being on the podcast oh, thank you i'm looking forward great. to seeing you in a, one of your classes
1: Yep. Anytime you want me to jump back on and talk about something specifically, we sure can.
0: Okay. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with registered herbalist Feather Jones. If you're interested in learning more, please visit her website at canyonspiritventures.com and don't forget to use my coupon. The code is Sherry10 and you will get 10% off any course. Thank you for taking your time to listen to the Lively Joy podcast. Check out the show notes below with links mentioned in this episode. And please take a moment to subscribe. That helps others find the show. Feel free to share this podcast with your family and friends. And if you'd like, you can also follow us on social media. See the links below. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time with more on living your best life.